Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. It's kind of a sad Monday. The end of the regular season in college football is never, never fun, but there's still a lot more going on. Uh, Bowl games, recruiting, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about all of that, where USC can go, how USC finished the season with an eight-game winning streak, all that with our friend, our buddy, our pal, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address, or if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do it on our website, peristylepodcast.com, or by calling 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We have our own URL, itunes.com slash peristyle podcast. We're also on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom. Uh, tune in radio, all the different places you can get a podcast. If you don't see us out there somewhere, let me know and I'll, uh, I'll make sure it gets added there, but we're all over the place. Leave us some feedback. That would be wonderful. We always love it. Uh, well, let's without further ado, bring in the coach Harvey Hyde. What is up coach? How are you doing? Well, buddy, good to be with you. Happy. Uh, I guess if I didn't tell you happy Thanksgiving, that's over. Now it's time to move into the holiday season is going to go fast. Of course, everyone's excited about the Trojans and the way they finished the football season. And now comes down to where they're going and recruiting and the off season. And, uh, boy, this football season went fast. But, Ryan, it's it's great to be uh, uh, alive. It's great to go into this part of the year when uh, all the excitement of uh, the playoffs, uh, the uh, recruiting period of time and, Probably one of the things that uh, everyone looks at and they say, wow, all these coaching changes that are going on. And you say, it's a happy time for some and it's a sad time for some. I've been part of both of them as far as, you know, relocating your families and having to go through all the changes that go on during the holiday season. But we're into it and they're already starting some of the coaching changes and there are a lot of question marks that are still out there. But the Trojans finished 9-3, and 7-2 in the Pac-12 South. And that's not all that bad. So let's move on. Yeah, certainly not bad. Uh thought, you know, USC could be discussing uh what the future of the head coach would be at the end of the year, especially after the one and three start and one and five overall for Clay Helton as the permanent head coach. Of course, eight game winning streak kind of erases all of that. Certainly does. Uh we're gonna jump into the season, the Notre Dame game, all of that. Wanted to thank our sponsor first. Southern California tickets is the service. They've been working with us for several years. SCTickets.com. That's the website, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for any kind of sporting event, um, you want to go to a bowl game, you want to go to hockey, uh, basketball, anywhere in LA or across the country, you can go to SCTickets.com. They've been good friends to us and they'll help you out. If you want to go to a concert or something, um, they can do that as well. So tickets for pretty much anything out there, go to SCTickets.com dot com and uh coach yeah it's um it's kind of like two seasons where the the one and three uh start uh usc fans were not happy um i mean every radio show i did they would ask me about 
who the next head coach was going to be. It was not even like if it was going to happen. It was pretty much a done deal. And, uh, you know, you figured, well, if USC turns things around, you know, you beat your rivals, things like that, everything could change. Um, and did it change in a big way? You know, not just Sam Darnold. I think the entire team played better. I think the coaches got better. You had a lot of coaches that were doing their roles for the very first time. Um, and man, you know, eight game winning streak. There's still some USC fans out there that, that aren't happy, which I don't, I'm not sure how that's possible, but eight game winning streak and, and important to me. And I think when USC fans look back, the games you remember, like if you lose to Oregon or something like that, coach, you're like, yeah, that, that kind of stunk. But you remember the rivalry games and the streaks against the rivals matter. So I think when, whenever you can beat both UCLA and Notre Dame in the same season, that just carries a whole lot of weight. And I don't know going into it if the fans kind of think that way all the time, but definitely looking back, it seems like, yeah, we beat Notre Dame and UCLA in the same, in the same, you know, with seven days apart. It means something. So it couldn't have been a better finish for, for Clay Helton. They, you know, obviously they would have loved to go to the Pac-12 championship game, but I think this scenario might actually be better with still a possibility of the Rose Bowl, but just, just a tremendous finish for the Trojans. Oh, it was, and uh, it's always good to win back-to-back big traditional games like that. Uh, I know a lot of football people, uh, Notre Dame people, where they make that a one-game season, and they came into the Coliseum Saturday knowing they were in the spoiler role. They had nothing to lose. That was their bowl game and all of the above. And basically, you know, the game was uh, a good game uh, in the rain, and I think it was good for USC to play in the rain, get used to doing these different type of uh, situations where they find out and they gain confidence as a young player and a seasoned player that they doesn't make any difference what the weather is. You've got to learn to adapt to it. And playing it, I thought that was great. And for the fans, too, to sit out there and cheer, uh, disappointed on some of the fans that left a little early, but they missed some great football, all the pageantry following the game. But it was a great football game, a great win, uh, a great finish to a season that you'd like to play over in a way, uh, especially the first three games, but that didn't happen. But they were able to regroup. They came together when things were bad and people had lost a lot of confidence in them, uh, not only as players but as a coaching staff. They improved, they worked hard, and they got it done. And right now uh, uh, everybody's on a high because right now it's all positive. Now you've got to roll into this bowl game, and Ryan, we talked about it last year, and I was one of the most critical as far as the way USC uh, went into the bowl game, the Holiday Bowl, and the way they went after that bowl game as far as with no effort, seven days of practice, new coaches, uh, and played horrible in that football game and had to live with that during during the entire offseason, recruiting and everything. So I'm if, if I'm them, I don't want to live through that again. No matter what bowl game you go to, it's a bonus. You get the extra play, uh, practice for your young players, and last year they didn't take advantage of that. You've got to go into that. You've got to work hard. You've got to uh, uh, get better during this period of time and prepare and then win that bowl game, no matter what bowl game it is or whoever you play, and remember that during the off season and know what that feeling is as far as reaching your goal and finishing 10-3 and three and being able to go to your classes and go into the off season and be a part of having the pride of the USC tradition. And I think that's what's next for the Trojan on top, Trojans on top of recruiting. Recruiting, and you follow that closer than I do, 
It's got to move to a different level now where now you can get the ear of any player in the country. And you've got to be able to go out there and approach those players with confidence and say, hey, you want to be a part of this or do you want us to beat you wherever you go? So, you know, and, and it's just proven this through the depth of the roster. I've always said this, and I'm sorry I'm going so long, but I wouldn't have exchanged this roster with any roster in the Pac-12. I've said this for the last two or three years, and I'm saying it again. You lose Stevie Mitchell and upsteps Burnett. You lose somebody and upsteps someone else. You lose Justin Davis, and here comes Jones. Uh, This is the type of football team that you've got to have in order to go through a season, and the next guy up, you hear that slogan all the time, but it's true. Uh, And USC does have that type of depth. And you lose your center, and another faller steps up. So, you know, it goes on and on and on about the story of having great players, and I think that USC's got to do this now, and you'll be following this, and I know you'll be getting a lot of reports out. We'll talk about it on the podcast, but now it's getting ready for a bowl game. Enjoying what you've accomplished, but not too much. You've got one more, and then also getting ready for a huge recruiting class. Yeah, we're going to actually try to do a uh, USC recruiting podcast uh, this week with Gerard Martinez, and those are always very popular. Um, it was a big official visit weekend uh, for USC, so you bring in a lot of uh, out-of-state um, prospects, coach. It's always good to win. Um, it was a little rainy, which is weird, but you know that's not typical LA weather. Last time you had significant rain at a USC home game was 2010 against Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think you know this was one of those seasons where recruiting was going to depend on how the team played, and certainly the team turned things around and played well. Uh, but we'll, we'll try to talk with Gerard about that. He's, uh, he's the most knowledgeable about USC recruiting of any guy I know on the planet. So he'll, it'll be a good one to have him on this week. Well, it'd be good. And I'll be looking forward to listening to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, coach, let's, uh, we'll jump into some of these questions because we want to talk about, you know, there's questions about the turnaround, about the, the game against Notre Dame. Um, you know, certainly where USC could end up after this. So we'll, we'll talk about all those topics, just kind of discuss them when the, the questions come up. But I wanted to, to play this voicemail for you, because uh, I thought it was a good one. Here you go. Hello, Ryan and Coach I. Don again from Upland, California. I'd like to thank you, Ryan, for making it possible for Coach I and I to do a little reminiscing about the year 1967. Coach I, your memory is absolutely amazing. Thank you for all the wonderful things you said about me. Now, moving on. I said that in order for USC to have a great season, they would have to run the table, and they did just that after their last loss. They are unarguably the best team in the Pac-12. Thank you, USC, for your great finish to a successful season. Ryan and Coach Hyde, I hope you and your families had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Fight on, USC. Don. Well, Don... Don Autry, okay, I know who you are. I forgot to mention one player, too, that played on that team, Eugene Jones. I remember big Eugene. I remember trying to recruit all you guys to Pasadena City College, and and you guys did move on and, and had a tremendous career, and I'm so proud of uh, what you accomplished in life. And, and uh, playing at Blair High School, you guys really got it done. I mean, you had one of the best CIF championship teams that were anywhere. I could go through and tell everybody where all of you went, but... 
We did that uh, last week, but uh, yes, a championship season for USC. They really improved and became a, a winner, and uh, everybody's so proud of them. Now they want to continue with that pride. You know, the worst thing that can happen is play well and then stink it up. So what you've got to do is continue getting better. Uh, yes, you hear about all the praise and you love hearing it, but now it's time to get back in the weight room and get some of your strength back and continue stri- uh, training. Watch those films, and you go into the room wanting to go into the room. You know, when you lose, you don't want to go into the room and watch the tape. You say, oh, no, I, I, what's the coach going to say, and this and that, and yourself, oh, did I look terrible on that, and how I missed that tackle, or I should have done this or that. Now you want to look forward to it. You want to see a highlight film, and they'll put, they'll put together a highlight film for all the recruiting uh, kids to see. So it's going to be a very positive time, but you also got to be very positive in what you do as far as making sure it doesn't end. So, Don, again, thank you. Happy holidays to you up there in Oakland, and take care, big guy. I think he said, uh, I think, did he say Upland? I think he said Upland, maybe. Upland what? Upland, California. Is that where he's from, I thought. Oakland, I thought he said. Did, did he, he say up, uh, Upland? Hold okay. on, let me, let me play the No beginning. matter where you're from. Yeah. In Upland, California. Yeah. Okay, you guys have I a thought that's good what team he said. out there, too. Yeah. Yeah, they got a good team out there, too. And, uh, uh, Upland, well, wherever you're guy. from, wherever you're from, Don, take care. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Nick from Cyprus. He's Big Nick, 21 USC, on the Peristyle. He said, first, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I did, Nick. It was wonderful. Hope you did, too, Coach. Um, quick observation of the season, then a question. Uh, first, let's lay to rest. The Coach Clay Helton needs to go. Um, he turned this season around in a way no one saw coming. Totally agree with that. Second is my question, where... Uh, would USC have been without Adoree Jackson or Juju Smith-Schuster the last three years? Got to give a little love to Coach Sark for securing their signatures. We would probably be mediocre without those two. Well, I, I would say that's exactly true. Uh, when you have stars, playmakers like Juju is and uh, also Adoree is, you've got to have playmakers. Sam Darnold's a playmaker. They're star. You know, if you don't have stars uh, on a football team, uh, then you really aren't very good. And uh, these stars come about because of the people that surround them and they're able to get the football and people block for them and and the people like them. and They want them to be successful. So, uh, yes, you do have to say uh, to Steve Sarkeesian and staff, they did a great job of recruiting, because these players really are Steve Sarkeesian's players. Now, Clay Helt was a part of that staff, don't get me wrong, that recruited them. But you've got to look at whose players they really were. So, you know, two of the players that were recruited by Clay Helton, I wish they could get him back. And I want to see Noah Jefferson back on the field. And I want to see uh, T.J. Price get back if he could, that big tackle from Georgia. He was a great player, too. We loved him as far as fall camp. But he left, and I don't know what reasons he left for, but those are two great players. So got to replace those players in case they're not back. But, uh, you know, I've heard some rumors on Sarkeesian. I, I really have, and I don't know if people are aware of some of these things. And I'm not saying rumors are always true, but uh, some people think he might be the offensive coordinator at UCLA. Some people think he might be the offensive coordinator at Purdue. Uh, his name is surfacing around everywhere. And then, of course, the Lane Kiffin situation at LSU. Supposedly, they're willing to pay him $2 million to come as the offensive coordinator at LSU, currently making $1.4 or somewhere in that neighborhood for 
Nick Saban at Alabama. So it's great to hear all these rumors that are going on. Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, Steve Sarkeesian is a is a good recruiter and uh, does know Southern California. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if that would happen with this current suit that's going on. I don't think that's going to help him with the situation at UCLA. But who knows? Maybe maybe Jonathan Smith from Washington, great offensive coordinator there, a young kid from Glendora High School, played at Oregon State. Maybe he'd come down to UCLA. So, you know, these are all the things I like to throw out on the podcast. So everybody out there thinks about it and says, hey, these are all rumors. It's not going to happen. But these are the rumors that are going around, Ryan, and you, Bobby, hear about them yourself. Yeah, that's uh, it's all part of the coaching carousel. And it's Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian are probably going to be a big part of it during this offseason. So it should be uh, kind of fun to watch there. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, Dory Jackson and, if you, and Juju Smith-Schuster, if you think a recruiting doesn't matter – that signing day where you get Adore Jackson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Damian Mama all on signing day, if, like, those three players don't pick USC, they pick someone else, like, USC fans for a day are like, oh, you know, kind of disappointed. But just what kind of impact those guys have had. Um, recruiting matters, and you want to get those five-star guys into your program for a reason. And there's, You know, you know I also want to interrupt you because for a minute, and I'm sorry I did because it's on my mind, and what USC has done for them. What if they'd have picked Oregon, and Oregon's uh, dropping now in their program or another school? So it works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. USC was good for them, and USC, and they were good for USC. So it was a nice marriage. Let's put it that way. Certainly was. Or it could still be. We'll see. Um, Charles in Santa Monica wrote in. He said, Ryan and Coach Hyde, thank you for the podcast. You guys do a wonderful job covering the Trojans. I attended... The Notre Dame game is what, and was extremely happy with the result. However, if you look at the stats without looking at the score, it appears to be a close game. USC won the big momentum shifting plays, but frankly, I prefer complete dominance. I guess we all would. Um, I didn't see that this time. Take away Adori's big plays and the game is a dead heat. Do you agree? And if so, does this give you any cause for concern? Charles in Santa Monica. Well, you know, I thought the same thing, and I've, I've looked at it closely, and I agree with you. Uh, but you got to remember, too, Notre Dame came into this game with everything on the line. USC went into this game after watching them on film. And it's very hard to get yourself fired up. Yes, it's a big traditional game, but, you know, you can beat this team, okay? Uh, they didn't match up speed-wise. I don't know if you people noticed that on the field. They couldn't match up with USC speed-wise anywhere skill-wise anywhere. Uh, so you watch this all week and you're preparing and you come out and you didn't play your best game of the year. Uh, if you play your best game of the year, yes, uh, you would dominate. But you did what it takes to win. And I tell you, sometimes you got to win. I'm not calling this an ugly win, but I'm calling it a win that you you responded. When someone scored, you responded to their score. Just when the momentum was getting there to to maybe get going again where well, you responded with a punt return. You responded with a kickoff return. You responded with an interception. You responded with two touchdowns in 17 seconds or whatever it was. You were able to respond and make big plays. And USC is a big play team. Now, probably it wasn't the best call game offensively. and, and But yet it was, you know, I thought they started passing the ball 
too early in the game, over and over and over. They didn't really test the defense and set up the play-action pass or stretch the defense with the outside runs like Ronnie Jones did on that long touchdown run. I don't think they ran that enough. And if you're going to throw the ball as much as they were throwing the ball, then you got to have a draw. you got to have something to hold the rush so that you can run a draw pass or do something where or draw to hold it down to keep it more honest. And, again, I thought they forgot about the tight end again. I think they need to remember the tight end in the pass offense. And little things like that that sometimes you – you get away from when when it's been so good for you on the defensive side of the ball. Whenever you hurried Kaiser, he screwed it up. He was sacked, uh, what, I don't know how many times, five times, six times they sacked him during the game. He wasn't used to that. He wasn't used to the quickness of people coming after him. And now the defense is playing more of the techniques and more disciplined than they've ever played in the past. And I think Port Augustan said that himself in the post-game interviews. They're staying in their contained lines. They're playing hard lanes. They're they're doing what they need to do. Stevie T even said this. They're keeping the guy in the pocket. They know where he is. They go after him, and they play hard. The defense have played hard, and the offense has played hard hard the whole year. Uh, They have had breakdowns, which have hurt them. Breakdowns as far as, uh, you know, not covering a guy or, a quick touchdown here or there, or somebody falling down and somebody getting a score. Like the first play, the first offensive play with Adams goes, what, 74 yards. That's over-pursuing. Hey, calm down. Don't be too anxious the first play. Play the defense called. Do that. But, you know, they responded back and went down and overcame the, what was going on, and they're up 24-6 at halftime. Now, you know, you go in at halftime and you're up 24-6, you know, you know, you're, you're giving them the raw, raw talk in there. And, uh, you know, they, they all know, hey, coach, coach, settle down. Okay, we've got everything in control here. I can tell when I'm talking to them. Coach, settle down. You have a heart attack over something you don't need to be yelling at us about. And they go out. And they lose a little of the momentum in the third period. But then they pick it up and they respond to what's happening. And they get back in the ball game. Relax, coach. We're not going to lose. Relax, relax. I remember players used to tell me that all the time. Relax. Cool it, coach. Cool it. We're okay. So, you know, the players are on top of it, and they know what's going on. They had a job to do. They went out there, and they got that job done, and you got to give them credit for that. And it wasn't one of their best games they played the entire year or coached the entire year. But they got the W, and they got the eighth win in a row, Ryan. Yeah, I, I agree with you, coach. And here's the thing. This is a Notre Dame team. It's a rivalry game. So just so USC fans, if you're a little worried, yeah, the stats were pretty even. Um, but like coach mentioned, you know, the first play of the game was a 74 yard run. Um, after that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, I mean, 75 yards or something like the rest of the game rushing for Notre Dame. So that's pretty good. This is a Notre Dame team that hasn't been blown out. They haven't lost by multiple scores all year and they've lost seven games. And so all of them, now they've lost eight, but all of them have been, you know, one was eight. Everything else was lower than that. And then, you know, Notre Dame scored a garbage time touchdown with, backups in at the end of the game to make it look closer than it was so I wouldn't worry too much I mean when you could beat your rival um you know 45 27 and that 27 includes a late touchdown and this is a team that no matter what their record hasn't been blown out all year don't think you should look too much into I'm um, worried about <laughs> you know that's a it's a pretty convincing win a great win a great win whenever you could beat your rival and beat UCLA and then win eight in a row hey guys Suck it up. 
Yeah. Everything's going to stay okay. <laughs> now you just got to maintain it. That's what you have to do. Get better during this period of time. Don't be satisfied. Uh, remember, right now you're getting that target back on your back. Yep. You're getting that target back on your back where, hey, this is the team we got to beat. And going into the Coliseum, we don't want to go into the Coliseum because they've beaten everybody in the Coliseum. So you got to continue with the hatchet in your hand, and people are afraid to come in there. They just want to come in and get out and don't get anybody hurt. Uh, let's go to uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. Sergeant Rodney Strong, he's a good friend of the show, said, What's going on, fellas? Thank you guys for keeping a loyal USC fan like myself, serving our country with the pride of Troy on my uniform, every day informed with news and updates on our team. Thank you for your service, uh, Sergeant Strong. He said, I'm watching this game, and is it me, or does Justin Davis look like he took a few steps back after the injury? He is running slower, no burst or enthusiasm in his running ability. Uh, it sucks to say it sucks to say this, but for USC's sake for winning games, they need to keep feeding Ronald Jones and let Davis get healthy and worry about the combine pro day and getting into the NFL. What do you guys think? Uh, and thanks again for your service to us uh, Trojan fans. And, Coach, I'll give you a quick thought real quick. I thought the first run, it was the first or second run for Justin Davis um, in this game against Notre Dame, looked better than he had the last couple of weeks since he's come back from the injury. Now, it wasn't, you know, wasn't great, but he looked at, like a little more spring in his step in this game. But that high ankle sprain certainly seemed to slow him down a little bit. But I, I thought he looked better in this one. Well, yep, you, you hear me always talk about this. Uh, you know, when you get and you're not playing, you lose that little swagger. You lose the timing. That's why you've always always heard me say, don't rotate, guys. Let them play. Let them get into the movement. Let them get the feel of what's going on in a football game. You start rotating guys around, no one ever gets a feel. And this is why, why Ronald Jones has become a better football player or anybody who plays all the time. Now he's been out, and he's lost his timing. He's lost confidence. He still needs to get hit several times to know that his Ankle is okay, and yeah, he's regressed. That that just just happens with the momentum of the season. And he's a great football player, and I'm sorry to see this happen. And will he get other opportunities? He won't get the opportunities unless Jones, of course, gets hurt. But then again, he's got to be ready when that happens. I think Ware is a little bit ahead of him now because he's in condition, but he's been hurt. And but he, you can count on Justin Davis now. I want you to know. When he knows his number's called and if something has Jones, he's going to be ready to play because he's a winner. He's the type of guy that I'd say, hey, man, I know you're ready. Whenever I need you, we'll drop the bomb. And uh, he's that type of guy, so he's a winner. He'll be there. He's a Trojan. It's unfortunate that happened to him, but you know what happened to Stevie Mitchell. It happened to others. So he'll be back. He'll be strong. It's not his heart. It's his ankle. And I'd be telling them this all the time. I'd give him a hug every single day and give him a kiss and say, hey, man, we wouldn't be here without you. And that's where you got to go. Uh, Coach, let's go to John and Brea. He said, is there a reason Sam Darnold did not run the ball against Notre Dame? It seems part of the problem on first down could have been avoided if Notre Dame defenders had to respect uh, the option just a little. His one run against UCLA did just that. If Sam keeps it, even twice a game, this offense is so much more productive. I'm worried they're going to turn him into Cody Kessler. Bubble screens and deep handoffs. Uh, there was a lot more of those in this game. Uh, great win over the Irish. Uh, so this is nitpicking. 
but I sure would like to see a more dynamic offense in the bowl game. Thanks for all you do. Fight on, John in Brea. Well, John, uh, you know, you heard me, uh, or even in the earlier uh, part of the show today, as far as stretching the defense, if you're not going to run, Sam, you've got to run your backs outside more, have some type of play that you continue to spread the field so that the inside running game and all that works. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, you've always had heard me say, too, for the entire season with this offense, your quarterback's the second running back. And you've got to be able to run the option, and you've got to be able to run the run read and the zone read, and you've got to be able to keep the ball on the bootleg, and you've got to be able to keep the ball, uh, fake the ball to the outside and run up the middle and do the, ne- the necessary things. But again, I understand, too, why they're doing that, because they really, they really don't want to take a chance right now on Sam Darnold getting hurt. Now, I think if it was a real close football game, and it came down to winning and losing a football game, I'd say you'd let it all hang out. You'd say, okay, guys, uh, Sam, go for it. Don't be afraid to run the ball. Read the options. If it's there, take it. Because I think you have to do that in this offense to be a great offensive football team. I agree, and I've talked about it the entire time. He's a tough guy, and uh, I think he'll hold up. He's been hit hard a lot this season, but... I can see why they're not doing it, too. Uh, Max is going to transfer, so, you know, you you really don't have the enthusiasm in him. You know, when he went in on Saturday, he didn't look like he was in the game. I mean, good kid. Just finishing the game, uh, and he's going wherever he's going and so on. And, and Matt is, uh, I think, is redshirting, so you don't want to, you know, what do I want to say? You don't want to lose a kid when you're dominating a football game. But if that game would have been close on Saturday, I would have told him, hey, buddy, let's get after it. It's time to get out, spread the field, do whatever we have to do to get it done to win. And and I really think that's what they're doing, protecting him. And I think they've told him that because that kid can't wait to carry the football. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's a big-time player. He's a, he's a circus act. That's why I call him. He's the main ten in the circus. Every snap of the football, you want to see what's going to happen on this play. And I think that's what makes USC really an exciting football team. Well, we got a couple more for you, Coach. Uh, Roger in Newport Beach said, Coach, during the preseason, you mentioned the apparent lack of, quote, stock blocking practice by the receivers and used the Oregon offense as an example of how it's done right. Watching the games this season, I've come away impressed with the downfield blocking by all of the receivers, including those seldom used. Is it possible that film study and verbal coaching of responsibilities can account for this? It might be time to give props to the blocking provided by the receiving corps and their coaches. Yeah, I agree with you. They listen to the podcast. And I think <laughs> <Nice>. that... <laughs> no, I think that... Uh... You're getting a better team effort out of all the receivers now, both running and catching the football, running and block, blocking, catching the football. Why? They all feel part of the game now. They're spreading the football around. One receiver isn't the whole show. Uh, it is now a football team. So guys want to do their part. And I think that all is part of why you see an improved offense and why you see your uh, team with better morale. You don't find one receiver catching 100 passes and everybody else standing around watching. 
That's why all receivers are running the routes harder, why they're going out after they're blocking. Now, they got to be a little bit more physical on the bubble screens because they haven't had a lot of success on that. they got to do a more physical type of block. They're letting defensive backs blow them up. Come flying up in the line of scrimmage and blowing them up. Come on, guys. Let's be physical. Those guys have got to be physical, too. So, And if you have to, put your tight end out there and let him be the blocker and put him in the slot and put him in different spots where you can become more physical or even put two big receivers in the game and run the ball the other way. Then put two big receivers as your blocker in and throw the ball out there and let your big receivers dominate the smaller defensive backs. You've got to put mismatches in there and, just like if you watched the Kansas City Chief game last night on TV, they put the 6'7", 230-pound tight end in as a slot, and, hey, it's a mismatch. How can the defensive back cover him down there on the two-point conversion? He can't unless it's pass interference, and that's the same thing I've been talking about as far as putting USC's tight ends in the slot position and utilizing their size over the defensive back. So you want to create mismatches. And I think that uh, that the overall receiving core is so much better because of the morale. The morale now is they all feel a part of it. And again, uh, I think that's all part of it when you when you feel like you can contribute. Coach, um, we had a couple more questions. One topic I wanted to get into first is uh, where USC is going to end up in a bowl game. And I don't know if you know. I'll, I'll give a few thoughts here and. My, you know, looking back at this team, I thought, yeah, they could, you know, Utah could potentially be Colorado. I didn't think it was going to happen, but the scenario that was always in my mind after everything started to play out was it would probably be good for the Pac-12 to get a playoff rep- representative in Washington if they went out. And I think they would. And I think it look, you know, makes USC's win look better. USC's, you know, beat both teams that it's going to be in the Pac-12 championship game, Colorado and Washington have Washington went out. And they, you know, they, they would have been nice if with, uh, Michigan could have beat Ohio State because that would have removed an at-large bid for the playoff. But I still think a one-loss Colorado Pac-12 champion, I mean, uh, Washington Pac-12 champion would get in above either Ohio State or the, the Big Ten champion who's going to have two losses, either one, uh, Penn State or Wisconsin. So I, I think there's still a, a great shot that Washington beats Colorado with their more than a touchdown favorite. And goes to the playoff. And then because USC is basically right behind Colorado, uh, or will be when the playoff rankings come out Tuesday, USC would be the highest ranked, uh, Pac-12 team because they would have three losses along with Colorado. Even though you don't get dinged a lot for losing the championship game, USC beat Colorado head to head. So I would think the playoff committee would put USC above Colorado, which would mean that USC would go to the Rose Bowl. Um, that's the kind of ideal scenario I was looking at, you know, even last week before this all played out. It's looking that way. I mean, maybe, you know, Washington could get snubbed going to the, the, you know, college football playoff, uh, not being one of the top four. I could see that happening and it would be a real, you know, ding on Larry Scott if, uh, you know, a one loss conference champion doesn't get in from the Pac 12. But just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, if you think that scenario is plausible or where you think USC would end up. Well, Ryan, I don't know if you listen to my uh, Trojan football report show. It follows uh, all the Trojan games, and I come on I come on on Saturday nights from 9:30 to 10 on AM 720. That's out of Las Vegas, but it covers the 14 Western states. 9:30 to 10. I brought this up, and because the Utah 
team had lost, and uh, I said exactly this. I said, first of all, it's better off for USC not going to the Pac-12 championship game because it's very difficult to beat a team twice. Not that they can't, but why do it when you can still get in the Rose Bowl? And how does that happen? And, you know, I'm very close to the tournament and the Rose Bowl and all of that stuff anyway. And it comes to rankings, as you said. Now, you've got to all cheer for Washington. If you're a Washington fan, you normally would. And if you're a Colorado fan, I'm not talking against you, because I think you have a great football team, and I think you'll give Colorado a good game. But you've got to cheer for Washington to blow out or, or win the game convincingly against, and it's a Friday night game, everybody will be watching against Colorado. Now, it's pretty hard to keep that team out when you're 12-1 and one and you dominate a team that's ranked ninth in the country, okay? So you're playing two ranked teams. Two ranked teams are playing in this championship game. So if that happens, Washington's chances of going to the playoffs are pretty good, pretty hard to keep them out, okay? You're a conference champion, okay? Okay, now what happens, uh, the rankings come out and the people on the football uh, selection committee say, hey, but, you know, USC beat Colorado. So they're only right now in the AP poll. AP poll's got a ninth and USC 10. So a loss would give them three losses, and USC has three losses, but USC beat Colorado. So USC doesn't have to play. And they don't have to beat Washington for the second time. Yet the selection committee, for all the television purposes and the nation, and how many tickets are going to be bought, all of the above, with the enthusiasm in Southern California and the hotness of USC. And, you know, if you look at the television polls out there, you see USC by other people talking, uh, have them higher. I have them fifth in my poll, okay? And I've had them there for the last three weeks. As far as a poll, it says the least team I'd want to play would be Alabama 1, Clemson 2, whatever, because of quarterbacks. Now, you want to, you don't get into a championship game. You don't win without playing great defense, but you've got a playmaker at quarterback, okay? And USC has all of the above. So, I pick USC to go to the Rose Bowl. And you can justify it. They beat Colorado. And it'd be a great game in Southern California. It's a Monday, remember, where people don't have to travel. And people will come to the Rose Bowl, and those tickets will be really hot. So the game would be a great game. And then the from the Big Ten, you're going to have either Penn State or Wisconsin. Either team would be great. Uh, and people wanting to travel to Southern California for the parade and the game and the weather. So it'd be a great matchup, okay? It'd be a great matchup. It'd be the Big Ten champion, and they have to select one of those two teams. It can't be Michigan, and uh, Ohio State will probably go to the playoffs without being the Big Ten champion, which, again, they've got to look at that, but they can justify it. And that's that would be the way USC gets in the, the Rose Bowl game. It's simple. So you don't have to beat Washington for the second time. you got to root for Washington to beat Colorado pretty bad. You move up one, you're going to Pasadena. Now, how bad is that? The only thing you miss is five days of practice. But you make that up during the period of time getting ready for the Rose Bowl game. And what does that do for recruiting, Ryan? It just is it just absolutely fabulous. 
So that's the way I look at it. That's why this Friday you better be rooting for Washington. And if you're a Colorado fan, hey, good luck to you too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, two quick ones from Tarek. He wants to know, should a playoff spot be USC's goal next year? Obviously. Every year. Pac-12 champion playoff goal. Playoff. Every year. Why do you go to USC? You go to USC to win a national championship. And uh, this is part of the, the path. You go down that road, there's a lot of off-ramps on a freeway. Do you get off in the first one, the second one, or do you take the road that takes you straight to, I know it's in, I don't know where the game's being played next year, but wherever it's being played, you go right down that freeway, baby. Every game, you're in another state or another city, you, you draw a map, okay, in your locker room, and you have a route to that city, and you draw a red line on the way, okay? All the way through wherever you're playing, all the way back over there. That's what your goal is, always, to get to the national championship game. Because before it used to be, our goal is to go to the Rose Bowl at any, anywhere. But you knew the Pac-10 and or the Big 12, or, oh, shit, excuse me. The Big <laughs> excuse me, all you out there. I do have a little bit of that in me, okay? I'm talking to the team now. But, uh, you know, Pac-12 would be playing the Big 10 in the championship game. But, now it's not. It's getting to the national championship game. That's where all the marbles are, okay? So, uh, you know, that's why, that's certainly, that's what they got to play for. I wouldn't play, think of anything less. And then one last one for you, Coach. Um, Tark wants to know what you thought of LSU hiring Ed Orgeron. Well, you know, I'm happy for Ed. I really am. And uh, I think he deserves the opportunity. Uh, it's amazing how a life goes with a young man like Ed. I mean, it's going through what he did at USC and hanging in there and then taking on the same type of challenge again at LSU, sitting out a year. Uh, but it worked out for him. Now it's very important to him to get a great staff surrounding him so he can continue with the tradition and the confidence that the university put in him. Well, I think the first choice was uh, Herman. And I think when Herman said, uh, I just want to listen, entertain the idea of talking to Texas, that's when the AD at Alabama said, hey, go entertain it. Entertain it. We got our guy. So it's a very popular move for everybody in Louisiana. I want to wish him the very best. I'm so happy for him. And now I can root for another team because I really root for Ed Ordron. I think he's a great guy, and, and I just like him as a person. Yeah, he's a great guy. Love him. Um, really happy for Ed. So, Tark, thanks for writing that in. We're going to wish him the best. And uh, hopefully most USC fans will be pulling for LSU. Because, um, yeah, he's he's definitely a great dude. And I think uh, I think he's learned a lot from his experience at Ole Miss and, and USC. And we'll see how he applies it down there. They're keeping Dave Aranda, who USC fans are familiar with. He was a Wisconsin defensive coordinator who beat USC last year in the Holiday Bowl. So, uh yeah, good stuff there. All right. Well, thanks, Coach. Um, really cool show. Nice way to wrap up the regular season for USC. Eight-game winning streak. We'll uh, be staying tuned to see where we go from here. We'll do an early show next week. We'll do a Sunday show with Coach Harvey Hyde. So send those questions if you have any post-bowl uh, game suggestions or comments or anything like that. Send them to uh, podcast at uscfootball.com, and we'll answer them next Sunday. But thanks again, Coach. Ryan, thank you very much, and as we uh, move into the holiday seasons, make sure you get your lights up, okay? Get them turned on, 
and say hi to people even if you don't know them. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. All right. Merry Christmas, Coach. Thank you so much for coming on. And everyone else, thank you for tuning in. We'll try to do a couple more shows this week. We'll get Dan Weber. We'll get Gerard Martinez. Maybe we'll do another one. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But got to wrap it up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.